Are you a Dragon Boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon-fiber Dragon Boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the Dragon Boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Strokeside Designs is a New York-based fine jewelry company focused on water sports. This is the best jewelry I have found through many years of searching. I love my Dragon Boat Paddle Heart earrings and my pendant. The jewelers at Strokeside Designs have worked for famous jewelry houses such as Tiffany & Company and Cartier. All of the pieces are hand-finished from fine materials. Express your passion for kayaking, canoeing, and dragon boating. Visit PaddleJewelry.com and get free shipping with the code PINK. That is PaddleJewelry.com and enter the code PINK. Thanks for listening. I want to give a big shout out to all of my listeners in South Africa. I was so excited to see that I have a little bit of a fan base there. So thank you so much for the support. On this episode, I have Anne Allen from Heal Your Grief, Heal Your Life. She is a registered nurse and advanced grief recovery specialist and also a Reiki master. We talked about the meaning of grief, the misunderstanding related to the stages of grief, how we can move ourselves forward from grief, and how to support somebody that might be going through the grieving process. Anne and I do hope to record another episode to talk specifically about grief and cancer. Take a listen in to this informative episode. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Anne Allen. Anne is a registered nurse and an advanced grief recovery specialist. She is the owner of Heal Your Grief, Heal Your Life. In addition, she's also a Reiki master and teacher. So Anne, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Um, I want to before I actually officially welcome you, I want to share with our listeners that um, I just have to be a little transparent right now and explain that this might be a hard podcast for me. And um, just because I recently lost a, a very, very dear and close friend, uh, not related to cancer, but she and I were very connected. And um, so I think the timing for this you know, could be either good or or a little bit challenging for me. So we'll kind of see what comes of this. But welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you. Well, thank you very much, Melissa. I'm very, very pleased to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about grief. <laughs> um, you know, as a, <laughs> as a grief recovery specialist, I mean, you really kind of are working with people in probably one of the you know, hardest times of their lives. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, grief and what that means. And, you know, um, you know, we hear a lot about stages. So let's talk about that as well. But, you know, tell me what grief, what grief means. 
Great. Well, thank you so much. And we did discuss a a few things, of course, before we started recording this, but I do just want to let people know the best thing to say when somebody tells you that they've lost something or someone that's important or significant is just a simple sorry, a heartfelt sorry. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. So again, I'm very, very sorry for your loss of your very dear friend. Thank you. So let's just talk First of all, what is grief? Because a lot of people think they know what grief is, but believe it or not, they kind of get a little skewed. So grief is the normal and natural conflicting emotions that we feel when we experience a loss that's significant to us. And notice I say significant. There's many, many definitions, but this is one of the best ones that I've come across. And then that, of course, leads us to, well, what is loss? Now, this is a long-winded definition, but it's a very good definition. Loss is the end of or change in a familiar behavior or pattern related to a person, place, or thing. So that's a really long one, but if you break it down, it basically means that anytime we change something in our lives, again, that's significant to us, uh, such as our finances, where we live, our relationships, uh, even moving from another country, all of these things can bring about a loss. And there's actually over 42 different losses that we can experience in our lifetime. And usually by the time you reach adulthood, you've probably experienced about nine significant losses in your life. Kind of hard to wrap your head around, but true nonetheless. I was just thinking that's a lot. (laughs) I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It really is a lot. And one of the things I I picked up on, you know, what you said that I, I think sometimes people forget about or or maybe we're not taught or understand that it's it's natural yes yes it it really is melissa it's extremely natural and one of the things that makes it so hard for us to deal with grief is that people will try and intellectualize it we often hear them say things like oh well you know you'll be fine time heals all wounds or why don't you go out and get another puppy or you know it's okay there's plenty of fish in the sea and i mean i could go on forever and ever with the cliches because intellectually they're true right intellectually it's like, well, gosh, yes, I guess if I wait around for time to heal, I'll be better. But um, the secret is, and the real truth is, I have people that I work with, and they have they have been carrying around pain and grief for 30, 40, 50 years, and time does not heal the wounds because we will not let ourselves feel. So my job is to get them from their head to their heart because that's where the really real healing takes place. And if we stay in our head and we try and think our way through grief, that's where it just gets more and more painful. And it's just like a cat chasing its tail. You don't get anywhere. You stay stuck in that loop. Right. Well, and I think, and I'm, I am getting emotional. (laughs) Um, So you know, a lot of, especially in the cancer world, um, and just thinking about my friend Kara, um, you know, a lot of people will try to use the words of, but at least they're not in pain now. Yes. And, you know, for, there's a part of that that I'm like, okay, yeah, that's true. You know, they're not in pain now, but there's, it still doesn't, that still doesn't make it easy for me um, 
you know, and I don't know if other people struggle with that as well, but you know, that's a lot of what people say is, you know, but they're not in pain anymore. You know, I get that, but it's still, it still hurts and it still is a major loss. Absolutely. And oh my God, I can't even imagine how you're feeling right now because I didn't have a friendship with Cara. I'm not you and I'm not Cara. And the reason I'm saying that is because every relationship is unique and there are absolutely no exceptions to that. Only you and Cara had your relationship and only you and her know what it meant to you. And from what you shared with me, it's got to be a huge loss for you. So again, how could I possibly imagine what you're going through? Your heart is probably broken, I would imagine right now, because I can only, you know, I can only guess at it. I can only guess at it. And when people say things like, well, they're not suffering intellectually, that is true. Intellectually, that is definitely true. But it's what is left behind. It's all of those undelivered communications, all those things you wish had been different, better, more, all the hopes, dreams, and expectations you had with your relationship. All of those things have gone unanswered, and those are the things that cause us pain. Those are the things that our grief is made up from. So, of course, you're going to be feeling bad. And a lot of people will probably try and say that they're trying to say things to make you feel better, right? They're trying to help you uh, get out of it because the, the worst thing of all that we see someone in front of us suffering, that, that we want to reach out our hand and try and make them feel better. And so we'll spout out all of these things that we've heard. We know that they don't really work, but we say them anyway because we don't know what else to say or what else to do. We're trying to take the pain away. We want to take it from you. But, you know, here's the, the cold, hard reality, folks. You can't take someone's pain away from them. And, oh, that is so hard. And being an RN and, and seeing people suffering physically, mentally, spiritually, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to deal with, to not be able to take their pain away. And especially when I'm dealing with my clients and my people who come to me, I can't take their pain away, but I can help them heal it to where they can live their lives again. So it's not our job to take somebody's pain away. It's our job to actually feel uncomfortable beside them and help them through it. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that, um, you know, the, the day after hearing about her loss, um, I just went out onto the patio and cried and cried for hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's been that way um, since then. But my husband walked out onto the patio and, you know, immediately looked at me and was like, oh, no, now what? <laughs> I was uh -huh. like, uh -huh. it, nothing new, just the same thing. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. but yeah, it is, it is very much where people genuinely just want to take that pain away and I love exactly what you mm -hmm. said in terms of you know we can't we can't take that pain away we don't no. we we can relate to the pain because maybe we've had our own experiences but we can't mm -hmm. relate to that exact pain that that person's feeling and just reaching out that hand and just saying sorry you know I'm sorry yeah. for your loss Exactly. And then there comes that part or that time when you see the look in their eyes and it's like, oh, good grief. Aren't we done with this yet? Yeah. I thought we'd be over this by now. Oh, what do I do now? <laughs> kind right. of thing. Right. And people, will, they will they will try and, and pigeonhole us. And if I can maybe talk briefly about the stages that you had alluded to before, um, I, I, I don't like using the word stages because technically there are no typical stages. Uh, what we 
what we really have coined as stages is something that was brought about by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross way back in 1967, I think. I have to check myself on that. But um, she actually was talking about people that she was giving prognoses to. In other words, people were going to die. And she noticed that they went through certain stages. And, and of course, that's absolutely correct. It's documented. But over the years, well-meaning professionals have taken those stages and put them into grief. And they don't work for a number of reasons. But the most important reason they don't work is because nobody feels the same thing at the same time. You know, we've got denial, anger, bargaining, um, depression, and acceptance. Those are the, the accepted five stages. But I'm going to tell you that a lot of people don't feel those stages necessarily and a lot of people don't feel them in that order so I call them emotional reactions and we can have those emotional reactions all of them within a minute or all of them yes. within a day <laughs> you know they're like roller coaster like when my mom died I didn't feel all of those emotional reactions it's far from it I was happy that she had left the earth she didn't want to be here any longer of course I miss her I mean it's it's going to be her anniversary of her death and Gosh, what is it now? We're mothers. Oh, yeah. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, she died very soon after Mother's Day, actually. Um, so we're coming up to her anniversary. And when that happens, I usually, you know, acknowledge her and, and have my feelings. But the beauty is that I don't go down that rabbit hole and feel those, you know, have, have my day derailed because of those those feelings because I've recovered from them. So a lot of people get a little con confused about the stages because it will keep people stuck. You know, if you're angry, it's, oh, oh, you're in the anger phase. Yes, that'll last for, you know, three, four months. I mean, where do people get these? <laughs> these <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but I would also like to know, too, because I will tell you that you know, I'm a, I'm a school psychologist, you know, I've studied psychology for a very long time. I've learned uh -huh. over and over, you know, the stages of grief, but I, for one, have never bought into them. So I'm glad that we're having this conversation yeah. because, you know, if I had told anybody else, you know, I, yeah. I don't know that they would necessarily understand that, but I've never really mm -hmm. bought into the stages because right. I, I don't believe it. And I don't believe that there is any level of, you know, well, within this time frame, this is what you're going to experience. And within this time frame, this is what you'll experience. Yeah. And by this yeah, time, yeah. you should be over it. Exactly. Uh. Yeah. I mean, people say, oh, you know, in a couple of years, you'll be dating again or getting married. Or so, you know, who. <laughs> Again, everybody becomes an expert on grief when right. somebody loses something. But the problem is that they're using the wrong tools. They're using the wrong verbiage because they don't know any better, you know. They, and then by certain times, like, okay, we're done now. You're over this. We're not talking about it anymore. Life returns to normal. Because at the very basis of it, Melissa, grief is so inconvenient. It's just completely inconvenient. It takes us completely out of our comfort zone, and we have to change. And nobody likes to be present with themselves when they have to change. So it, it creates a whole lot of challenges for people. And that's why we just want to get you and everybody else through it as quickly as possible and get back to the way that we were. Thank you very much. Right. And that, and that ends up in us walking around doing crazy things like trying to be strong and keeping it together. And I get very passionate about this because you don't have to be strong. You don't have to keep it together. You're a human being. Never apologize for being a human being. Let those emotions out. So what if people feel uncomfortable about around you? They can leave the room. 
It's your space. (laughs) When it comes to grief, it really is about you. And this is, and it might sound very self-centered, but you know what? Grief really is about you. And yes, it's, I, I always support the people who are supporting people who are grieving because it takes a lot of courage for them to actually not react and not try and offer help because there are no timelines. There just aren't. And so we don't have to be strong. We don't have to put on a brave face because I get this all the time from parents like, but I have to be strong for my kids. But why? Well, they'll see me crying. Okay, so they'll see you crying. Uh, Yeah, but then they'll think I'm not strong. So why do you need to be strong? Well, um, because if I let things fall apart, everything will fall apart. Okay, so what's going on? And we go on and on and on. And they finally realize that this is the message they're giving their children. So do you really want your children to grow up thinking they have to keep all their stuff together? Well, no. Then why are you doing that for your kids? <laughs> right, right. And I, I mean, I, I hear that all the time, and, and I am mm-hmm. just as guilty um, of, you know, mm-hmm. trying to stay strong for everybody else. I mean, just, just thinking about my cancer journey, you know, I – initially hid everything from my family. I didn't tell them that I had found a lump. I didn't tell them that I was having a mammogram and an ultrasound. You know, I didn't, I was trying to protect them and I was scared out of my mind and had nobody, um, you know, and, and that's what, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're taught. And I don't know if I was necessarily taught that, but somewhere along the line, that was the message that I received was, you know, stay strong for the people who are around you because they can't handle it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You were taught that as a matter of fact, whether it's action, inaction, gestures or whatever, we are taught and they're very strong messages. So yeah, you got the message loud and clear and you thought you had to be big and strong, whereas in fact you were grieving. You were grieving big time because you had a significant change in your loss in your life. And remember, we always grieve for anything that's significant in our lives that we've lost or that's changed. So you were already grieving and you couldn't even reach out to the people that you needed the most during this journey because you were worried about how they would be. That's a very, very sad and lonely place to be, Melissa. It was. There are so many people who are like that, unfortunately. There are. It's very, yeah. 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 So I'm glad, you know, again, that we're having this conversation because there are a lot of things around grief. You know, a lot of people don't want to feel grief. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't Mm -hmm. allow themselves to feel grief. It is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, we have Mm -hmm. these unrealistic expectations around it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it's not where, it's not where people want to stay or be. Exactly. And people will do anything to be present with themselves and their pain. They'll do anything. (laughs) When we're doing the grief recovery, we talk about short-term energy releasing behaviors. And they're things like eating, sleeping, reading, uh, sex, retail therapy, (laughs) drinking, things that will numb us, things that will take us out of the present, out of the now, because we'll do anything we can but to feel that pain. Right. So tell me, um, well, one of the things I want to talk about before we talk about any kind of like strategies or suggestions or anything that you might have to offer, you know, in the, in the cancer world, we talk about something called survivor's guilt. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, when we often have this where, you know, I've, I've been a survivor for 
13 years, and I've lost many, many friends through this. Um, you know, and and my uncle is probably the one that I suffered the most with because mm-hmm. he had three kids, and he had two that were young, and I was single. I, you know, wasn't even – well, maybe I was dating. Um, you know, but I didn't, I didn't have what he had. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just remember sitting at his bedside as he's dying and saying – you know, take me, take me instead. Don't take mm-hmm. him. Take me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, so is that, a, I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, it's not real. Like, <laughs> you know, that's not a thing, you know, but we feel it. So what do you, what do you have in terms of that? Well, good grief. It's all real. It's all real. Anything you feel is real. And again, we try to intellectualize it away. And we even give it a lovely, shiny name, survivor's guilt. It's grief. Yeah. It's grief, guys, pure and simple. It's grief. It's the same as anticipatory grief. You can call it whatever you want, but it's grief. Whenever something changes in our life, it's grief. And if it's significant to us, we will grieve it anytime it's a loss or a perceived loss. So, yes, when we have somebody who who we love or who, you know, we might not even care for them that much. But the thing is, if we end up living, okay, is there a sense of guilt? There very well may be. But here's the deal. What's the definition of guilt? The definition of guilt is do I have an intention to cause harm so let me ask you a very blunt and seemingly heartless question but did you have an intention to harm your uncle never exactly so why would you have guilt over surviving his death why would you have a guilt over being the one that lived and he didn't Grief is all about undelivered communications. Grief is about telling people the things you wish could have been better, different, more hopes, dreams, and expectations. Those are the things that you're carrying with you if anybody thinks that they are dealing with survivor's guilt or anticipatory grief or whatever you want to call it. It's grief, folks. It's all grief, and there are things that need to be said. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I think, you know, you're right. It's, it is really just a shiny name, um, for the same thing. Yeah, it is. And, 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 and I'm not trying, please, please believe me, everybody listening. I'm not trying to be heartless or cold or, or unfeeling. I'm a very feeling person and a very emotional person but I get in people's faces when it comes to grief and I'm really part of my French a hard ass when it comes to grief because I want people to stand up and to, un- and to really understand what this is that we're dealing with it's not some fancy name it's good old fashioned deep guttural primal I hurt like hell I can't get on with my life it's grief it breaks your heart and we can't just gloss over it we can't give it pretty names we can't intellectualize it we have to feel it and we have to heal from it we have to recover from it and I like for people to understand this is not a taboo subject this is something that everybody needs to come to terms with sooner or later where you'll only be living your life in a half capacity if that for some people right well and I think you know again we we talked about this a little bit is everybody kind of has this expectation of, you know, be over it, 
get done. Um, yes. You know, move on from yes. your life. And and um, I'm going to go back to my friend Kara <laughs> again. Um, she had the loss of a child. Um, and oh, it was, you know, the it was so hard um, for her. And there were expectations that, you know, over the course yeah. of time that she would be over that. I'm not a mom. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have, I don't have that understanding, but I never, you know, I never had the expectation that she would ever get over the loss of her child. Um, you know, so how do we, how do we address that? Like, what are, what are things that people who are supporting somebody who's going through grief that maybe that grief has lasted for a long time. I mean, you mentioned somebody who's been grieving for, you know, 35, 40 years. What do we do mm -hmm. for, you know, how do we support somebody who's, you know, still grieving over that loss? That's an excellent question. Sometimes people need some extra support, for sure. Sometimes people want to tough it out. That's entirely up to them. But, you know, if you're carrying around that pain, it's not going to be a full life that you're living. So what do we do? How do we help people who really are struggling? First of all, please avoid trying to intellectualize things. Um, and I can only guess at some things that were said to Kara when she lost her child. And one of the most hurtful things that people say to such people who have lost children or had stillborns uh, <clears throat> or uh, in utero death, they will say things like, you're still young enough, you can have another child. Mm -hmm. And intellectually, while that is definitely true, it's one of the most hurtful things we can say because people just don't understand the heartache. People don't understand having a, uh, a miscarriage. They don't understand the heartache around that. So it's a deeply, deeply difficult time. Anytime we experience something that's significant to us is, is deeply difficult for us. But what can we do? How can we support people? First of all, please do not try and fix them. And I'm going to say that again, do not try and fix them by saying intellectual things, by trying to do things to take their mind off it. They have to feel the pain. There's no shortcut to grief, guys. There's absolutely no shortcut because, believe me, if I found a way, I'd be telling you what it is right now. There's no secret sauce in the magic pill. So please do not try and intellectualize. Please do not try and cliche it away. Do not try and fix them. Secondly, listen to them. And you may have heard the same story 50,000 times and you're about ready to just tune out. And I know how hard that is. So the best thing that you can do to take care of somebody when they are grieving is first of all, make sure your own oxygen mask is on first. Make sure that you're doing the usual simple things in life. You know, you get enough sleep, getting enough to eat, drink, exercise, all of the, the things that you know you need to do to take care of you. And if you are not in the frame of mind to be there that day for that person to support them, be honest and tell them because it's no point in trying to support someone if you are not there and not being able to be present. If you if you can only give them 10% that day, then give them 10%. But don't try and push to give them 150% when that's just not humanly possible. So put your own oxygen mask on first. Make sure that you are in a state that you can be there for them and stop trying to fix them. Stop trying to tell them everything will be better because right now, chances are their heart is broken. And if you feel they need professional help, then direct them towards that. 
that's the best way you can help people. That's great. I, yeah. And I think that's, um, I think people need to have that information and understand, um, you know, especially not trying to fix it. Exactly. And it comes from a place of love. Absolutely. It comes from a place of love, usually, you know, and then after a while, it comes from a place of convenience. It's like, oh my God, aren't we over this shit? Okay, come on, we're going to go shopping. Come on, we're going to go to the movies. And there you are, you just tried to fix it. And no, they don't want to be fixed. They need to be heard. Grievers need to be heard, not fixed. They need to know that you're listening. And, and if you can't listen, please let them know, look, I'm, I'm not in a great space today. I'm probably not the best person to talk to right now because I'm not going to be able to be there for you. Be honest, please. Because yes. most people know when they're being lied to. No, most people know. It's like, oh, my God, they're, they're just really – they've got the phone on, but they're busy doing something else. I can tell they're not paying attention to me. And that's not being helpful to anybody. No, no. So thinking um, just kind of in general – um, you know, somebody that's, that's grieving, you know, the loss of anything. And I mean, really, we can kind of equate that to, you know, what's happening in the world right now. Um, yeah. You know, I think there are a lot of people out there who are grieving. And maybe they don't even acknowledge it as that, um, you know, just yeah. because we're in this really kind of weird, funky space. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> but what are what are some strategies for, you know, people who are grieving? You know, what if, you know, what things would you offer somebody to help them, you know, get through or, you know, work through their grief so that, you know, the, the kind of end goal that I've, I've heard from you is, you know, really healing that grief so that you can then have, you know, continue on through life and, and have, you know, a fulfilled life, you know, not necessarily hanging on so much to that pain. So where, you know, what do you, what are those strategies that you have to offer? Well, first of all, yes, thank you. And it is, it's moving forward in your life and it's going to be different. Anytime we have a loss, it's going to be different for sure. But yes, once you've recovered from your grief, you can actually have your life back again. It may be a little different, but you can start to have purpose and meaning again. Excuse me. So, yes, we're in a different place right now, different time, and this is is extremely difficult for a lot of people because they're being held captive uh, by their emotions. You know, we're being asked to stay at home, and and like I said before, people will do anything to avoid being present with themselves and their pain. So the best thing people can do right now is, first of all, understand that times are different and you have lost a lot of things and you may not be aware of that. You've lost the sense of familiar. Things are not as familiar as they used to be. You may have lost your income. You may have lost family members. You may have lost the ability to go to somebody's funeral or to be at their bedside when they died. You may have lost the opportunity to go to your prom. You may have lost your opportunity to have an in-person wedding. You may have had a pet that died and you weren't able to take care of their death the way that you would like to have. So there's many, 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 many different types of losses happening right now. The best thing you can do is first of all, meet yourself where you are and just let it be okay that this is not a great time. It's hard for everybody right now because it is a new face of normal and goodness knows how long it's going to be. And the unknown can be very difficult for people to deal with too. So please do your best to meet yourself where you are and know that whatever you are feeling is normal and natural. 
you could be feeling a murderous rage. Now, I'm not saying go out and act on that, obviously. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> you, could feeling, yeah, you could be feeling a murderous rage. That is normal and natural. Yeah. You could be feeling ambivalence. That is normal and natural. You could be feeling a numbness. That is normal and natural. Or you could be happy. <laughs> that is normal and natural. There are so many conflicting and unbelievable emotions that come along with grief and loss. So please, wherever you find yourself, meet yourself there and just know it's like, okay, this is not fun. Yeah, I got to go through it. And it, it, and know that this will be an especially challenging time because we can't go out into the world and we can't do those things that we would normally do to try and take our mind off it. And so we are kind of looking at our concentrated emotions right in front of us. So be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself and take the best possible care you can by putting your own oxygen mask on. And understand that because we are in this fishbowl kind of environment, that everybody is going to be reacting a little bit differently again than they normally would as well. So understanding that you may not get the support that you need uh, in, or it could be different to what you would anticipate in this time as well. So meet yourself where you are, put your oxygen mask on, understand that what you're feeling is normal and natural and try to let go of expectations of how people will or won't react around you. I love that. I think that's great information and, um, you know, especially, especially right now because there are, you know, so many people and I, I see it so often on my Facebook page where, you know, they've lost somebody but they can't you know, they don't have the opportunity to go and grieve that person, um, you know, through a service or, you know, however, mm-hmm. however that is. So people are, you know, really struggling, you know, a, a lot of people find their peace in that, you know, to be able to yes. have that service and, and take part of that. And so for a mm-hmm. lot of people, it's, you know, there's the loss of the person, but there's also that loss of not being able to, you know, be there with, you know, familiar people. And, you know, the only thing that I really wish, um, I mean, there are a lot of things that I wish, but, you know, one of the things that I would love to do is I would love to wrap my arms around Kara's mom and just tell her, you know, how much I love her and, you know, how much I, I love Kara and how much she, you know, really supported me in my life, um, at a time when she was going through her own stuff. And I think I think Kara's mom would love to hear that from you, Melissa. I really do. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I did do a, a Facebook live about helping people who can't physically hug each other in this time. And if you if you can connect on Zoom. If you each hold a pillow, and this sounds really silly, but I do it with all of my grief recovery specialists that I need to do online, and I get them all to hold a pillow, and then I hold a pillow, and I show them. I say, look, I'm hugging this pillow as hard as I want to hug you right now. Now, you hug that pillow as hard as you want to hug me, and believe it or not, it's it's a special kind of connection. It's the best we can do in a non-touch environment that we find ourselves in. So I'm offering that piece of advice to you. But when you talk with Kara's mom, maybe you can connect that way. And if you both have a pillow that you can hug and really squeeze it as much as you <laughs> want to be squeezing them, believe me, it really does help. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that so much. And um, 
I love that idea, really, because um, I, I, the pillow might burst, <laughs> um, which is yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it might do, but hey, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so are there any kind of closing thoughts or anything that we haven't talked about that you feel like we need to hit on before we end the podcast? I'd love to just say something about being strong where we are right now. Um, I just sent out a, a newsletter to my email people the other day, and it was very well received. It's just about it's okay to do nothing. Please, please, please don't feel you have to be an overachiever right now. There's so much expectation put upon us that we have to become super beings, that we have to somehow dig down deep and side and find all this inner strength which is great if that's where if that's where you are at in your life right now but there are so many people who are struggling so hard to just make it through the day for whatever reason for the things they've lost or just because it's difficult for them to deal with where they are in this new normal which is changing every day so please avoid the mistake of thinking you have to be strong. Avoid the mistake of thinking you have to be strong for your children and put on a certain persona. There's also a newsletter that I did about that um, because we have to learn how to talk to our children. We have to learn how to talk to each other in these times. And really the best thing we can do is to tell the truth about how we feel. If people ask me, I'm a grief recovery specialist, so they ask me how I am, I tell them. <laughs> don't necessarily want to know, but I tell them, well, I'm not having such a good day today. I'm reacting to blah, blah. But the point is I don't go around trying to be strong for people. And I don't go around trying to be strong for myself. I allow myself to feel the way that I need to feel. And that's what I would ask all of you to do. It's not comfortable and it's probably totally different from what you've been brought up to believe in. But if you're trying to be strong, you're putting on a front. And if you put on a front, you are not showing the truth of how you feel. And you're now also unfortunately Unfortunately, teaching your children how they need to be. So let me leave you with this thought. What is it that you want to teach your children about being the human being that's best for them? What is it you want to teach your children about how to handle grief and life? Wow. That's a great way to end the podcast and really <laughs> thought-provoking, quite honestly. Um so if somebody wants to get on your email list, um, they could just go to healyourgriefhealyourlife.com? Yes, absolutely. Perfect. And there'll be, um, actually, first of all, when they when they go onto the site, there's a wee box at the bottom that says, take the Am I Grieving Assessment. So what this does, this is a, a little tool that I put together because a lot of people don't know if they're grieving, believe it or not. Um, so they can click on that and that will actually automatically sign them up to the email list and then they'll get um, all of the emails. And the, on each email, I also have catch up on other articles so they, they can go back and look at the things on how to talk to your children uh, during these times, you know, about grief and loss and uh, it's okay to do nothing, et cetera, et cetera. And then they'll get the assessment, which uh, if they, it's a, a long list of questions. And if they can answer yes to at least well, two to three of those in the possibility is that they are grieving. Great. I mean, that sounds like a great tool. I'm already grieving. I know I am. <laughs> I'll just be honest. <laughs> uh, I said that at the top of the podcast. So, yeah. Yes, you are. Absolutely. You are. And, and my heart really does go out to you, Melissa. This is not an easy time for you. I know. Yeah. Well, I um, 
you know, we talked at the at the top of the podcast before we started recording that, you know, somehow the universe brings people together at the time that it's needed. And, you know, when I realized what we were going to be talking about today, um, I wasn't really sure that it, you know, that I was going to be in a space to be able to have the conversation. Um, but I'm beyond grateful for you to be a part of the podcast and just to hear, you know, exactly what you had to offer. Um, because I will tell you that, you know, the loss of Kara for me is probably one of the most significant in my life. Yes, yes. And it's it's going to hurt, and it's going to hurt like crazy for quite some time. But for you to be able to continue to tell the truth about how you feel and understand that it will make many people uncomfortable, many people, and many people won't know what to say or do, and you'll probably hear a few things that will be very, very hurtful. They're not meant that way, but again, they're coming from a place of love, trying to help you, and then unfortunately from a place of trying to fix you. And it's not an easy thing. Grief is messy. It's a horrible thing to go through. But I am here for you if you need me with that, Melissa. Well, thank you so much. And again, thank you um, for spending your time with me, for being on the podcast and sharing all of this great information. It has been my pleasure. It really has. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.